it's Rachel. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a very wonderful day. I'm so glad that you have joined me. Today I wanted to talk about what the Bible says about God and I really wanted to bring this up because I feel like a lot of people have very different views and opinions about God. I know that some people think that he's very authoritative, that he's angry and judgmental and that he acts on those feelings and some people may think that he's non-judgmental and that he's more like a powerful, all-present life coach (laughs) and some people might think that he's actually very critical and not very engaged in our lives and some people might think that he's very very distant and he's just like a cosmic force uh, that just sets everything in motion but doesn't actually do anything in our lives and doesn't really care about what's happening in the world so because of all of these different views and opinions that people have about God I want to try and attempt to straighten this out at least on the podcast I know I'm not going to get everything right um, but it's just the things that I've seen in my own lives with my own friends my own family and and even like acquaintances I just feel like it's really really sad when people live their lives seeing God through a negative view and because of that negative belief in him it becomes uh they start having all these negative experiences with other people from this view of God um and they start having these misunderstandings and they just become really angry bitter people or just really like apathetic people. So I'm not, I'm not saying all this to dismiss anyone's uh, views or feelings, but I just, what I mean by this is how people choose to view God actually affects um, how they live. And it is affected by how they live, whether they know it or not. And in this way, I guess you can say that Uh, maybe everyone's a theologian in a sense because of this. We all have thoughts and feelings about God and who he is and those thoughts really do affect our lives and they can either be positive or negative. So that's what I want to talk about today on the podcast. I just want to straighten things out, maybe help to remove some people's negative views, negative beliefs and maybe warped worldviews that they have that's not entirely correct or biblical. Um, So yeah, I just really wanted to do that. So to start off with, if we agree that the Bible has authority, which I have briefly talked about the legitimacy of the Bible in previous episodes, feel free to check those out, Um, then we need to see what the Bible actually says about who he is. If the Bible is correct and it has authority, then therefore we need to believe what it says and we need to believe what it says about who God is. So that's where I want to start. Now I do also want to point out that your goal shouldn't just be to think about God more accurately or to avoid disappointing him but instead we should seek to love him with all of our minds and all of our hearts just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37. So when we love God then we'll naturally want to know his thoughts and values and try to seek it out. So if God is who he claims to be in the Bible, the Bible's answers to life's biggest questions are definitely worth paying attention to, I think. And a real picture of God will lead to a real life and help us to avoid any other fake things that is in our lives, trying to grab for our attention and grab for our affections. So when we get into our heads a wrong idea of God, it gets between us and God and we stop trusting in him and since we don't trust him, we end up blaming God for all of the things in our lives instead of trying to fix our broken view of God and we end up being blind to the fact that that's not just not how God is at all. And because we're, tr- we're unable to see God for who he really is, we can't trust him as we should and we end up having serious doubt. It's a whole cycle, I'm sure, that you can see that I'm painting. So we really need to start 
start there. So once we've cleaned up our dirty lens, so to speak, and we're open to seeing God more clearly, and God does want us to know him more personally and able to see him more clearly. He isn't just this intimidating cosmic force that can never be known. He actually reveals himself both by what he does and who he is, and he really does want to be known by us. Now, we might not know every single thing about him, and I don't think we'll ever know every single thing about God on this earth, but I think in time we'll know enough about him to trust him, and hopefully we'll know him as he wants to be understood, and not just what people have circulated in the media or in history or anything like that. So, let's get right into it then. So, who does God reveal himself to be in the Bible? Well, there are three aspects of God's nature. He's self-existent, He is spirit and he is personal. So let's look at the first one. He's self-existent. Philosopher William Lane Craig describes God as he doesn't just happen to exist as if by accident. Rather, God exists by a necessity of his own nature. It is impossible for him to not exist. Moreover, God does not depend on any other being for his existence. God alone is self-existent and everything else depends on him. So... God is life and the source of life. He is a necessary being. So everything that exists does because he exists first. We as people have life, but God is life. Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 reiterates this and it says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. So God's existence as a completely necessary, free and self-sufficient being does make sense when it comes to the origin of the universe because in order to create, a creator needs to be outside of creation. Kind of like in the same way when I am making a cake, when I'm baking a cake, I'm standing outside of the mixing bowl, adding the ingredients. I'm not actually inside the bowl. (laughs) God is the ultimate provider of all things. He doesn't need us, but we definitely do need him. And we can't manipulate him or control his sovereign choices. Okay, so now let's look at number two. God is spirit. God is pure spirit. He isn't a physical, material being like we are, and he isn't bound by space or time. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we can't see God, but according to John chapter 1 verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. So there are some worldviews and beliefs out there that only the physical universe exists, and that's called materialism. But since the Bible teaches that God is spirit, it describes the universe as something that isn't just physical, but it's also something that's also spiritual. So if we don't acknowledge him as spirit also, then we're not really worshipping him properly. God is personal. God is a person, he's not a cosmic force, he's personal. He has a self-conscious and a will, he has feelings, and he's capable of making decisions and having a relationship with us. You don't even need a Bible verse to back this up because the entire Bible is the story about how God is interacting with us and the world personally. And he doesn't engage with us when he wants us to feel pain or punishment because he actually loves us. He's a good father to us and he's made us in his image and he gave us dignity and value no matter what anyone else says or does to us. So those are really brief descriptions of his nature, but let's look at his characteristics. 
For us, though, you'll find that our attributes can sometimes be the complete opposite of God's, and this is because of something that is known as the fall, which happens very early in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve rebelled against God, broke their relationship with God, and are distant because of the fall. So because we now, as descendants of Adam and Eve, we feel those consequences even now, um, like as for example, we might think it's really unloving to confront someone who isn't acting right, maybe they're being a bully or something, but God isn't like that. He's actually able to display all of his characteristics all at the same time without conflict, whereas we're not able to do that really. He's able to do so while also perfectly being loving and just at the same time. So here are some of God's characteristics that we know about. Number one, he is holy. Holy just means to be set apart. Don't be scared of the word holy. He is set apart from everything and from everyone because no one is like him. He's morally spotless in character and in action. He actually isn't evil. I know a lot of people think that when bad things happen in their lives, they think like, oh, this is because God did it. Like, no, (laughs) if something evil happened to you and God isn't isn't evil, but he's actually love. Like evil is the opposite of love. So why would, why would God do this? Like, no. So God isn't evil. He has no bad intentions, bad thoughts, words, or anything like that. And because he's like that, he's unable to tolerate any kind of evil. It's almost as if he's allergic to sin and evil. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11 says, who is like you among the gods, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Now, they said gods because back in those cultures, um, they used to worship many gods other than God. But the point of this verse was saying, like, who is like you? No one. Um, So, yeah, the answer is no one. (laughs) No one is like him. And we might suffer because of the evil things that people in the world do because the world is definitely broken. But the Bible tells us that God won't tolerate evil forever. And it's because he's holy. It's the complete opposite of anything evil. Now this good news for um now this is good news for a very corrupt and broken world because God will always do the right thing. He can't be bribed, he won't lie, and he loves to right wrongs. Now I lo- I know a lot of people they use the argument like if God is good then why does he allow bad things to happen and I really don't want to address that right now because it's just very very long. But to summarize it's just it's just free will. If God took away our free will, then we wouldn't do anything bad, but he wanted us to have free will so we can make our own choices. It's not God who's evil. It's just broken, fallen people, okay? So stop blaming God for things. People do these things, not God. Okay, next, God is eternal. This just means that he has always existed and there will never be a time where he was not and there will never be a time where he will not be and because he hasn't he isn't even contained by time <laughs> so his ability to care about us and be there for us will just never run out life with god never ends because he will never end and because he's outside of time he doesn't abide by our rules he is never in a hurry even though we might be And that's all I'm going to say about that. So next, God knows everything. God has no boundaries when it comes to knowledge. He knows everything possible. He knows the past, present, and future. He believes in the truth and not in lies. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 8 to 11 says, Remember this and do not forget it. Think about all of these things. You who turn against God. Remember what happened long ago. Remember that I am God and there is no other God. I am God and there is no one like me. From the beginning, I told you what would happen in the end. A long time ago, I told you things that have not happened yet. When I plan something, it happens. 
What I want to do, I will do. I am calling a man from the east to carry out my plan, and he will come like a hawk from a country far away. I will make what I have said come true. I will do what I have planned. Some people might not like that, (laughs) but the reality of it is, is that God's actions and thoughts are perfectly informed because he has perfect knowledge. So he's perfectly trustworthy because he knows everything. His ways are definitely higher than our ways because of this. He knows everything. He knows all the alternatives. So his way is obviously the best. When he acts, he takes in all of the facts, all of the right values into consideration. He knows what is good because he has access to all of the information. So his judgments are made wisely. We can't do that. (laughs) We really can't do that. We can't claim to know everything. But God never needs to revise his decisions because he sees everything with the right perspective, whereas our perspective, it's limited. So we should be comforted by the fact that God knows better than we do. He is wisdom itself. And if we're to pursue gaining knowledge, then we're to pursue him. Okay, next. God is all-powerful. God can literally do whatever he wants, except for whatever is logically impossible because like a squared circle or something, um, he can't undo what has happened in the past, but he can wipe out its effects or even the memory of what happened. He can't just act opposite to his own nature. He can't be cruel or unconcerned. He can't fail in what he's promised. You might have heard the question, uh, If God is so powerful, can he make a rock so big that he can't lift? Now, it may sound like an actual argument against him, but it's based on the wrong assumption. God can make the biggest rock and he can lift the biggest possible rock. And just just to cut it all short, God isn't interested in our word games because they are literally nothing. (laughs) They're nothing. Just remember that every... Every worldview needs to wrestle with these kinds of problems, um, particularly the one with evil, like the one that I mentioned earlier, like um, if God's so powerful enough to stop evil, then why doesn't he just stop evil? Um, you know, how if he's so powerful, then why can't he just stop it? Well, wrestling with this problem of evil, it's, it's not new. We know in our hearts that evil is wrong because we have a sense of what is right and what is wrong, but God isn't held back by evil. You might just not be aware of his plan and what he's doing. So like I said earlier, get in the word, read it, learn it. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 says, Lord God, you made the skies and the earth with your very great power. There is nothing too hard for you to do. So yeah. Next, God is present everywhere. God is in all places, all the time. There is nowhere that God is not. He transcends space. He is literally everywhere, present in the sense that wherever space and matter exist, he is in that place. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 to 24 says, I am the God who is near, says the Lord. I am also a God who is far away. No one can hide where I cannot see them, says the Lord. I feel all of heaven and earth, says the Lord. Knowing that God is everywhere should definitely be a comfort to us. Christians are never out of God's hand or out of his reach. So it definitely should be a comfort to us that God sees everything that we go through. Next, God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot lie. Everything he says he will do, and he does. Psalm chapter 33 verse 11 says, The Lord's plans will stand forever. His ideas will last from now on. God confirms this by binding himself to his promises. His unchanging perfection is actually solid ground for being 
reassured that when you trust in him that you will always be saved because his standards don't change either. A lot of people think that God's character does change because in the Bible he has shown to have changed his mind about certain things, but really this change is just an indication of God's deeper character and that is his love. If you read the book of Jonah and how he saved the city, um, you'll see that definitely. He, he always will love and he will always continue to love. And to act out of love is not a change in his character, but an affirmation of that character, that characteristic. He is love. God sees us. He sees our past. He sees our future. And he responds appropriately to each moment, day by day. He knows what's going to happen, whether we're going to cry or be happy. And even though it might look like our relationship with him changes over time, he is still going through with his great plan for the world and for us. And his changes in his actions are driven from a place of mercy, love, justice, and so on. Next, God is loving. To explain this, you need to understand that God is made up of a tri-unity, also known as the Trinity, and I won't get into it, but when we see God's relationship with his own as being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we can see that this relationship is expressed through love. This is because love requires relationship, and throughout eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed together in relationship. And this isn't to say that God is selfish and just loves himself, but it's actually a display that in the same way, he also loves us. He doesn't just put up with us, he genuinely loves us. He seeks our highest good, and he wants to drive out fear, and his feelings for us don't change based on just how good we are. He freely and eternally gives of himself, and that's clearly shown by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He died for our sins. He died on a cross. He provided a solution to sin in the form of Jesus Christ. He came to take our punishment away for sin and to satisfy God's uh, God's justice because of what I said earlier. He is holy, so he is love, but he is also holy, and I feel like a lot of people struggle to put those two together. Love is literally central to everything that God does, so to miss understand God's love is to not even know God at all, really. First uh, John chapter 4 verses 8 to 10 says, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. And this is what real love is. It is not our love for God, it's God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place and to take away our sins. So, Just keep this in mind. God doesn't love us because we're lovable, because we're not lovable. (laughs) We all know in our hearts that we're selfish, manipulative, arrogant, pity party throwing bunch of whiners. And I can put my hand up straight away and say, yep, that's me. (laughs) There isn't actually a whole lot in us for an infinitely wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God to love. But he loves us anyway, just because that's who he is. And when we start to understand this, then our response can only be humility, repentance, and just simply loving him back. We're to ask for him to create in us a pure heart and a steadfast spirit, just like it says in the Psalms. Which leads me to the next one. I think it's the last one. (laughs) God is merciful and gracious. Mercy and grace have been described as like two sides of the same coin. In his mercy, God doesn't give us what we do deserve. In his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. He has a tender heart and always shows compassion for his people. Just like love, he isn't gracious and merciful because we deserve it. It's because of who he is. Psalm Chapter 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
And if you look throughout history, you can find pieces of God's grace and mercy. Some people don't, and they just choose to fixate on the bad things that have happened in the name of Christianity and religion, and the things that have happened in the bad things that have happened, they blame God when really they should be blaming people. Just like how I was saying before, blame people, not God. God isn't the broken one here. We are. <laughs> but anyway, it's it really is. It's not God. But again, <laughs> we just need to clean our lens. Our, our lens is dirty. God's justice demands sin to be paid for and his mercy provides a savior, Jesus Christ, to take the penalty, making a way for us to be in a right relationship with him. If you consider all of these attributes, these characteristics of God's together, then you get a picture of him as a consistent, trustworthy, good, generous, and loving uh, person. I guess he's not really a person. God. (laughs) He is all these things, even though we don't deserve any of it. And when that actually clicks in your brain for you, then the only real and proper response to the biblical understanding of God is to just worship him. We praise his goodness and are joyful in humility and reverence to the perfect, trustworthy, wise, self-existent, personal, personal, great and completely unselfish and great Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Just look at the responses of Moses, Job and Isaiah and how they responded to God in the Bible. You'll find at some point that they were all humbled in the presence of God and we must be too as well. We should never be arrogant in the presence of the Lord. His faithfulness leads us to trust him. His grace encourages us to be grateful and his power makes us amazed. I'd encourage you today, the more you study the Bible for yourself, the more you will come to understand all of these characteristics and the qualities for yourself, and the more active and alive it will be in your life. I understand that perhaps all of what I've talked about today might be very difficult to grasp or believe, but like I said earlier, his ways are higher than our ways, and we won't truly know everything about him in this lifetime, but we will know enough to hopefully trust him one day. So, I hope all of that makes sense. I know I got really riled up and I'm not really a super educated Bible scholar and I do get things wrong sometimes and I'll admit that, but there's just so many more aspects and characteristics of God for us to discover and I just wanted to cover the main points and I really hope that to everyone watching that you can kind of see my heart in this episode. I got really passionate about this episode. Um, It's just my desire for everyone to know God intimately and correctly because I feel like it literally is the key to being so joyfully content and secure in life and I just wanted to share that with everyone I want everyone to be happy (laughs) and it's just a really great feeling anyway so I hope that comes across correctly um yeah so with all that being said I just want to end by saying thank you so much for joining me on this episode I really hope that you enjoyed it and I hope it's really really useful for uh, for you I really hope that you come away learning something new or perhaps having your view of God changed for the better. Hope your your lens is more clearer. If the podcast is useful and helpful for you I and you're enjoying it, then I would really love to invite you to share it on social media or to share it with a friend. If you do, make sure to tag me in it so I can see it. And if you're not yet subscribed, please let me take this opportunity to invite you to do that as well. You'll get notified whenever I upload new episodes. Well, thanks again for being with me on this journey and I will see you next time. Bye.